I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome in to the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 15 Preview Edition, a.k.a. the Fantasy Football Semi-Final Preview Show. Finals, and most importantly, help you set your season winning lineup. In order to get you your best lineup configuration, though, we must go to the best. And so, of course, we turn to the Important Nonsense Start Sit Stylist, the Waiver Wire Wizard. It's at that FF nerd, Jason Draven, Jason, how are we feeling heading into the semifinals? Well, I'm already so happy after having a good game last night. We have two games tomorrow night. Holy, God. and then we finish up with hopefully all the games on in Monday. Hoping that there's a test. Well, you know I am always excited for each and every weekend of football. So be sure to follow Jordan or er, Jason everywhere at that FF nerd. Friends, I do have some bad news about Jordan. Unfortunately, the third J of the Triple J podcast is out in the real world, being an adult, working, doing all that kind of stuff. So he's an unavailable to come and play today. This means Jason and I will just have to play by ourselves. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but before I say something embarrassing, be sure to follow Jordan on Twitter at Donald McJordan for all the info you're missing out on this week with him off the podcast. And be sure to follow the rest of the crew over on importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at nonsense ff but enough about us it's time to get to the nitty-gritty of all the action from thursday night football and jason before we get started i am going to give you a chance i'm going to let you get all the obnoxiousness out and let you celebrate this big chargers w 30 to 27 ot thriller i am not gonna be obnoxious i'm not gonna do what everybody thinks i'm gonna do I'm actually more frustrated than anything. A game that should have ended in regulation with either of the field goals from Batchley going through. Wow, I'm so frustrated with that. Instead, Boza ends up with a concussion. Allen is being used to block instead of, you know, being on limited snaps. They don't use him hardly at all in the offense. So frustrating. Targeted only three times. Only had one reception. The drop passes from all the rookies and just the ugliness of the defense is so frustrating to watch. Both teams were only able to, together, have two sacks in the entire game. And I just, it's atrocious. I don't know what else to say. My team is completely in shambles, and I think it's partly due to the ownership as Spanos remains the worst business operator I know. He continues to make poor decisions. Anthony Lynn is the trickle-down guy. He focuses on the run instead of feeding the ball to Eckler on the goal line, which completely makes sense. You know, the best running back on your team. Instead, let's give it to Balage and let him score so there's no fantasy points there for Eckler. I get it. Eckler was limited, but seriously, what are you thinking, Anthony Lynn? Come on here. Like, let's run it on the first and second down. Perfect. That Okay, North Turner, what are you doing? Oh, wait. Sorry, Anthony Lynn. I get it. Let's put ourselves in a hole and then pray that this amazing rookie and Justin Herbert can bail us out with his cannon of an arm. Okay, whatever. Sorry, that was a little bit of a rant. But overall, the team did come out with a victory. And as Herbert screamed, I'm in for the second QB sneak after he failed on the first one. I'm just, this game was not what it was all supposed to be. And it didn't help that 
both sides just looked bad. Wow, that is not the response I was expecting from you. I thought you'd be on cloud nine. I thought you'd be all pumped about how happy or how good Justin Herbert looked. Thought that would make you happy. But as you did point out, Justin Herbert is a star despite the chaos around him, despite the crappy organization. 314 yards passing, two passing touchdowns, and the rushing score that you talked about on the QB sneak. That was Herbert's seventh 300-yard passing game of the season. He is now tied for the all-time rookie TD passing record. He just needs one touchdown pass in two games to hold the record by himself. I don't think Anthony Lynn, despite how terrible he is, can prevent that from happening. And I would like to take this time out to also say Keenan Allen's kind of a jerk, and I don't blame him for getting hurt, don't blame him for being limited, but I am blaming him for yelling into the camera and telling us, don't sit me, because I wish we all sat you. I'm sure we all do. 17-yard catch, negative one-yard rush, nothing. That, that's terrible. You know, that, it's the semifinals, Keenan. What are you doing to all, all of us? With him banged up, Mike Williams, he was also banged up. He got two receptions for 22 yards. We did see four receptions, 91 yards from Jalen Guyton. Hunter Henry came up big, five grabs, 65 yards, and a tug. We also saw three receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown from the big play man, Tyron Johnson. And then rookie KJ Hill from Ohio State, he popped in there, three snags, 39 yards. So great day for Herbert getting it out of not the best group of pass catchers ever. Less of a credit to Eckler. He was banked up. He got 17 touches still. Good for him. Four of them receptions. 79 scoreless yards plus the four receptions. It's a 7.9 plus four or two, depending on your style. Not what we needed from him in the playoffs. And it's not all his fault, again, because Anthony Lynn is terrible. He wastes eight carries on Kalen Balazs. So they cut Trey, Troy Main Pope before the game. Justin Jackson's a healthy scratch. And I'm sorry that we're spending so much time on Kalen Balazs. But he runs for just 11 yards on eight carries, only a 1.4 yards pop because he's so aggressively terrible. But Anthony Lynn keeps giving him the ball. And so he's the one that scores the touchdown. So I am almost as mad as you, Jason. Not quite, but I think we're both very angry about the Chargers. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I was happy that there was also a little bit of Joshua Kelly and Donald Parham siding. Wow, I am so happy for their future. I could really see, I hate to say it, but I'm just going to guess that Hunter Henry probably is one of the team next year. And speaking of the future, I mean, Jalen Guyton, right? he should have had 100 days, but missed one toss. Easily would have put him around 120 yards. It was frustrating. He also had a bunch of pass calls that could have been an even bigger day for him had he, because he would have just blown passes of then Tyron Johnson, wide receiver to score, adding yards on those three catches of, of him. And even more surprising, I'm really surprised that Herbert only threw 32 times because with this lot of wide receivers, they were open. I don't understand what they're doing, and they looked just as bad as did when it comes to their defense. It's so frustrating. I, I know you did, but I need to say it. But at, uh, Anthony Lynn has to be done at the end of the season. He has to get fired, right? I, I just don't understand why they continue to trot him out there and use him. I guess they're just waiting for the end of the year before it's official. I completely agree with you there. Fire Anthony Lynn. And speaking of getting fired, is it possible that Derek Carr is going to get fired in Vegas? Did we just watch Marcus Mariona pull a Ryan Tannehill on 
Derek Carr. Because we all know that they gave Mariota more than backup money. They gave him potential starter money. But Mariota tears a peck, misses a little bit early in the season, and then Carr's playing well, so they can't. there's no even thought about making the switch. But this may be Mariota's opportunity to opportunity to become a starter once again in the league. John Gruden believes that Derek Carr avoided a real growing tear, but also said it obviously if he can't finish the game, it's got to be pretty cons- pretty significant. We're also hearing reports that from inside the Raiders, Carr is 50-50 to play versus the Dolphins, but then Ian Rappaport comes out, says it's a two-week injury, so we have no idea who to believe. Keep an eye on this. Also, Hunter Renfro is in the concussion protocol as well. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, just don't get your two your hopes too high on Marcus Mariota. He wasn't part of the game plan for the Chargers. Granted, Chargers defense is horrible, so that also helped him. His mobility was clearly an issue because they expected Carr to be back there, who's definitely not as mobile as Mariota. And they still couldn't pull out the win. So they had plenty of chances. He was going up, you know, Mariota went up against the Chargers, who are the 25th best fantasy defense this year. Wow. And outside of that, I mean, I saw Carr pull up, and man, it just hurt my groin too. Ouch. All right, so back to the game. John Gruden, he's calling plays because OC Greg Olson is out with the COVID-related illness. Henry Ruggs is out as well. He's on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. So Derek Carr, he goes 3 of 5, 53 yards. Hot start from him, and then he pulls the groin. Mariota comes in, completes 60.7% of his 28 attempts, throws for 226 yards, gets a passing touchdown as well, then runs for 88 yards and a touchdown on nine carries. So if you drafted Marcus Mariota in best ball, you're pretty happy. Otherwise, I, I don't know how this helps anyone at all, except for Darren Waller, because Mariota locked right in on his wide receiver one in a tight end's body. And he just needs to be fed like this more often. Nine receptions on 12 targets, 150 yards and a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar, he goes for four receptions, 49 yards. For the most part, that's kind of it for the team. Foster Moreau has one reception, as does Zay. Jones, Jalen Richard, and Hunter Renfro. Each one reception. So the only player other than Waller and Aguilar with multiple snags was Josh Jacobs. He has three receptions, 38 yards. Doesn't look so good on the ground. He averages just 2.9 yards carry. We don't care about that in fantasy, though, because he got 114 yards and a rushing tug. So for fantasy, lovely little day from Jacobs, even if he doesn't look good doing it. Yeah, Waller just is such a beast, and it's so frustrating because I had such high hopes coming into the season for Renfro, who really came on at the end of the last year. And then somehow, even making it worse, is that Aguilar is getting targeted more than he is, and it's just so frustrating. Renfro gets a concussion, and Aguilar dislocates his finger. Did you see that? That thing was disgusting. Really leaving Waller as the only option. It was gross. Like He showed it to him, and they showed it on TV, and I was like, what are you doing? Stop that. But, you know, Josh Jacobs continues to get the usage. And they, I don't understand why they continue to deploy so many backs in the backfield because it was weird seeing all the different numbers that popped up in the backfield at different times in the game. I sincerely hope you didn't play either of these defenses. They both stink. They both stunk once again, especially with Joey Bosa leaving the game to be evaluated for a concussion, the one star that they do have in the game. So we still don't know the results of that. But if we need a defense for this weekend, Jason, where are we turning to? Uh, Surprisingly, the Patriots. They're less than 50% owned, which blew my mind. And in week one, when they went up against the Dolphins, they put up 11 points. And that was with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So 
with, you know, Tua being the rookie quarterback. Bill Belichick is 22-5 and five now against rookie quarterbacks as we saw, saw him completely dismantle the Chargers and Justin Herbert, not even allowing him to score at all just a couple weeks ago. And I think that, I don't know if you saw their list of people that are hurt, but wow, it's incredible. All the Dolphins seem to be injured. And besides that, the Patriots are the number eight fantasy defense on the year. So you can easily fire them up. The other option, which I'm not as hot on anymore, is the Cardinals because now that they're playing Hurts, I was really expecting them to get wins and just completely be able to blow this game out of the water. But it's Hurts, so I'm hoping that a week of game tape will help. They'll be able to contain him and that this defense is healthy because it could really hurt them if it's not. Hurts is still making iffy decisions, but he has such a safe floor because of his running ability. And if they can just disrupt him and contain him, the Stevens could easily finish the top 12 this week. Ah, so I see. Even though Jordan's gone, we are still not lacking for dad jokes and bad puns. Love that. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate that. Anyways, for the football, though, I agree with you. Cardinals would have been fantastic if Carson Wentz was starting. You know we'd turn it over five times. Love it a lot less with Hurts. But the Cardinals have been extremely underrated on defense, so you never know. As for the Patriots, love the theory. Rookie quarterbacks have thrown 20 interceptions and just or, sorry, 20 interceptions and just 15 touchdown passes over the last decade against Belichick. Completely built his career around this. But at the same time, Tua doesn't turn the ball over. His first interception of his career, that bounced off his receiver's hands and into Tyron Matthews. So it's not his fault. And the Patriots aren't getting sacks. They're not stopping the run. And so you know all how much I love Tua. I think that's pretty apparent by now. So I am biased. This is a great matchup, and Belichick does have 12 wins in a row against rookies, so it's probably going to happen once again. I am just a Tua stan. For now, we do have our defensive set, and we're going to turn it over to at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. And we are back with the news. And according to Pro Football Network's Tony Pauline, the Bears will offer Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald the job and Vikings assistant GM George Payton, George Patton, I don't know how to pronounce it, the GM job. So look for that from Chicago this offseason. Seems like they're moving on, which is great. We have to love that decision. Get rid of Ryan Pace. Get rid of Matt Nagy. There's also reports that Matthew Stafford is going to be on his way out this offseason. And now former Lions QB, current ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky is saying that Detroit is looking at bringing in 49ers DC Robert Sala as the head coach. Shout out to me, Wallace Bruce. Bruce, he was on that a couple weeks ago. Good for him. And that they would steal 49ers passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur to run the offense. So whoever's at quarterback for the Lions next year is going to have some big benefits. Mike LaFleur, of course, is the brother of Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. So we could be looking at a little LaFleur family feud in the NFC North. And Orlovsky also mentioned that if the Titans OC Arthur Smith is hired away, that Stafford could be on the move wherever he goes. So lots of rumors, lots of speculation. This is going to be a wild-as-hell offseason. There's going to be so many changes. I can't wait. So be sure to follow along this entire offseason with all the Dynasty content led by at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. Gotta keep up with us in the off-season for that. But let's get back to what you're listening to this show for news for the fantasy football semifinals. Starting with quarterbacks, Drew Brees spent the week taking first-team reps as he comes off the broken ribs. The Saints were impressed enough that he's going to start against 
the Kansas City Chiefs in a passing of the torch moment from Breeze to Patrick Mahomes. And of course, now we go back to the Lions. You've probably realized I love and hate them at the same time. They're a pain to my existence. So Matthew Stafford did not participate in practice Wednesday or Thursday. Did manage to get a little bit in on Friday, though, with the rib cartilage injury. He's now questionable, but between the torn ligament in his thumb and now the ribs, you just can't trust him at all, especially because he's now going to be without his likely Pro Bowl center, Frank Ragnow, who suffered a broken freaking throat against the Packers and still finished the game. Talk about tough. Unfortunately, it's going to be tough sledding for the Lions on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm I'm just really expecting him not to play. Stafford, I don't think, is going to play, which means Chase Daniels would be the backup. This is great news for DeAndre Swift because it's a short area target that Daniels really likes to throw to is the running back. And I also think that it's a good thing for TJ Hawkinson, as they should both see a lot of targets. However, I am super nervous that this just absolutely kills Marvin Jones' value this week. So Tom Brady is going to be without his left tackle, Donovan Smith, as he was placed on reserve slash COVID. We'll miss week 15. Thankfully, though, we don't need to worry too much because the Falcons' pass rush doesn't exist. Daniel Jones might also not exist this week. He's been limited all week with the hamstring and ankle injuries. Last week, we saw him practice in full every day. This week, he's been limited every day. So maybe we're looking at another Colt McCoy start. Which kind of helps. It does seem that that's the way it's going to be because it means that Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard are going to be the reliable catch pitchers that he needs. I mean, Colt won't stand for the inability of Ingram to catch balls, and the fact that he is dealing with a calf issue makes it even more of a chance that they do well. And sticking in that NFC East, Alex Smith didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday with the calf injury. He's officially being declared out, will not play against Seattle this weekend. Dwayne Haskins will return as the starter against the Seahawks as the team looks to hold on to their lead in the division. Yeah, and I think this makes McLaurin a must play. I mean, he was already starting for you, but Haskins are, is more than willing to fit it to him at any point, anywhere on the field. It doesn't matter. It definitely knocks down Thomas because I doubt he's going to look for him in the end zone. And with the fact that we don't know between Gibson and McKissick, I, I, while I like McKissick, maybe I just I can't get on board that he's going to be the guy that Haskins really targets. No, I think I think you're really right. I think in this one, unfortunately, we can no longer trust Logan Thomas. We saw at the early part of the season that Haskins just couldn't hit him for whatever. He was throwing it to him a decent amount, couldn't hit him. So McLaurin is the only one in this offense that we can trust this week. And now, speaking of not being able to trust anyone, the Bengals. Brandon Allen was sidelined Thursday and Friday with a knee injury, which means they could be forced to turn back to Ryan Finley. So Finley was a fourth-round pick out of NC State last year. He's in his second year, so he has 131 career dropbacks. That's a pretty sizable amount, decent enough sample size. He's completed 48.1% of his attempts, averages 5.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, four interceptions. So if Brandon Allen is out, and he's proven to be serviceable enough, which shocked me, but with him out, Ryan Finley isn't an NFL quarterback. No Bengal is startable, not even T. Higgins, not even Tyler Boyd. I never thought I'd say it, but Brandon Allen kept this offense afloat. Shocking. Trace McSorley was placed on IR with a knee injury as well. So that means with RG3 on IR, Trace McSorley on IR, Utah's court, former quarterback, UDFA Tyler Huntley, will be the backup for Lamar Jackson. 
Moving into running back, though, Ezekiel Elliott continues to work off to the side while rehabbing the calf injury. Should be good to go for the weekend, but uh, not nice to see this, especially with how inefficient he's been as of late. Yeah, and I was saying in the offseason, I'm going to say it now, I'm going to continue to beat this drum, but I think that Pollard should be gifted this position the rest of the season. I mean, you don't want to hurt Zeke. He is clearly your highest paid player until, you know, they decide to do something with Dak. He needs the reps and he continues to look just as good as Zeke does. He's a very different style runner and he seems to have more explosion. So somebody I would prefer to see and definitely should be picked up and rostered if you have Zeke. Oh, I am all aboard the free Tony Pollard train. Let's go. Moving down to South. Jacksonville. James Robinson was limited with the knee on Wednesday and Thursday, did practice in full on Friday, so we shouldn't have to worry about him right now. But last week we did see Divina Zigbo catch as many balls as Robinson. They both had four receptions. Is this a symptom of the knee or is this a symptom of James Robinson's future? Is he going to be overdrafted in 2020 and fail to meet expectations? Absolutely. I mean, Granted, he looked so good this year, and it really is just great for him. He's a great player and shown what he can do. And if Robinson continues to do well, which he should, he will likely be drafted way too high, probably a t- top 12 position at for running back. And because there's no way I can see him repeating what he has done this year, and the fact that Zigbo is catching balls just makes me so nervous for him moving forward and definitely not somebody that I will have on any of my rosters next year due to that price. Yeah, like when the Dolphins have two second-round picks, you don't know that they're not going to draft a running back, and then all of his value's gone in Dynasty. So, and then like in a redraft, you don't know if he's just going to get usurped or if they're just going to dial him back. He's had like a hundred or percent of the snaps lately, so it's I it, you can't repeat that. I I'm sorry, it's been great for 2020. Worried about 2021. Also worried about James Conner. Did not participate in practice Wednesday or Thursday with a quad injury suffered in the Steelers' most recent loss. But he did manage to get in a limited session on Friday. So as we've become accustomed to, James Conner, status TBD. And this is why you you were wrong to draft him in the third round. I mean, Harris, limited Thursday in practice. Looks like he's good to go. He's kind of been off and on all season with the limiteds. Love Damian Harris. Fire him up. Raheem Mostert, he must start. Missed practice Wednesday with the ankle that he suffered in last week's game, upgraded a limited Thursday, and then upgraded again to full on Friday. Officially a must-start. Kyle Shanahan says Mostert is good to go for the semis. Do you trust him, Jason? Man, I'll give you this question because I don't know if you know, but I have him and Jeff Wilson on my and it is so frustrating as a manager to have to deal with this issue. So I'm going to roll him out there, but it's with me between him and Fournette. Just so frustrating. I was excited to play Wilson this week. Mostert being having the red zone touches really make him more valuable. But now with both of them playing, I, Wilson's still probably going to get the red zone work. It's frustrating and I don't know. It I I it, definitely play him. Oh Jason is bitter. I'm saying we must start Raheem most there. Calvin Ahmed was limited Wednesday and Thursday, was wearing the red non-contact jersey thanks to his shoulder injury. But then on Friday, he dressed in a full uniform. We could be looking at his return to bell cow status. Miles Gaskin's going to miss another game on the reserve COVID-19 list. Matt Breida was activated from the reserve COVID-19 list. 
but he's only going to get like four carries a game. The Dolphins have proven they don't trust him. He's fully irrelevant, which means bell cow, Salvin, Ahmed. Love that. Can't love this, though. The Broncos have Melvin Gordon questionable with a shoulder injury. Phillip Lindsay questionable with a hip. They're both limited all week in practice, but they're both expected to play in full, which means neither matter. You can't trust either one of them. And you can't trust Chase Edmonds either. Apparently, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday with an ankle. He may miss. Kenyon Drake may get the full load. Yeah, and with I think that you can't. The Bills have been st- Weakest areas of this it's so bad. However, I do agree. The questionable part definitely worries me. They're likely going to split. Is even more. More importantly, though, I already had as a starter, so he continues to move with Edmonds potentially dealing with an ankle issue. And if he's out, man, going to be a top 12 for me. And Duke Johnson was limited Wednesday with an ankle injury as well. Missed Thursday and Friday. Kind of seeming unlikely he's going to play at this point. So David Johnson is going to be back in full for this one. Looks like he'll get the load. Buddy Howell will be the backup, shockingly enough. Yeah, and I don't really love the matchup for David Johnson, but hopefully he'll get more targets. The Texans team is still an enigma with the loss of Fuller and Cook's not being healthy. You don't know who they're going to throw to. Aikens completely dropped a ball in the end zone because he got blinded by the light. So maybe this week he'll have better luck since they're playing in a dome. Devonta Freeman returned to practice from IR and COVID reserve. So he's coming off an ankle injury, a hamstring injury and COVID, but we might see him play on Sunday, which would just make things so confusing, especially with Wayne Gallman. You can't trust Gallman if Freeman is active. You can't trust Alexander Madison right now. He did return to practice Thursday, coming off the appendectomy, questionable for this weekend. No Christian McCaffrey is likely going to be out with a thigh injury. He is just, what a season for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating, but it is great news for all the fantasy managers who managed to hold on to Mike Davis. Another great matchup where he gets fed. Definitely a top 12 running back this week for me. Mike Davis league winner. Who'd thunk it in the preseason? So Ronald Jones is on the reserve COVID list and dealing with third surgery on a broken finger. OC Brian Byron left which hints that Leonard Fournette will lead, but this becomes ugly because Fournette was just a healthy scratch last week. Don't know if we can trust that Bucks backfield at this point. Maybe Shady McCoy gets the, gets the work, or maybe Keyshawn Vaughn finally has his breakout. And in Washington, Antonio Gibson is doubtful, likely to miss again as Washington did sign Lamar Miller off the Bears practice squad. However, Gibson did start participating in some of the running back drills on Friday. So at the very least, that's a positive sign for the fantasy football championships. Move on to receiver, though. A.J. Brown didn't practice on Thursday with his ankle, but he's missed every Thursday of the year. Fire him up. Yeah, completely irrelevant. You're likely starting him and no other pass catcher on this team. You also fire up Derek John Henry as he impales his defensive line of the Lions. Oh, we'll get to King Henry later, but oh, my mouth is already watering thinking about that matchup. Brandon Cooks, we, you just mentioned him, limited with the neck injury Wednesday and Thursday, but he has been removed from the injury report as of Friday, is set to play in full in Week 15 against the Colts, and boy, does Deshaun Watson need him right now. Yeah, and sorry to the Chad Hanson owners. I mean, you're likely going to have to do wop him out of the door. 
I feel like Jordan's here with, with all these terrible jokes. I feel like Jordan is still here. That was a good one. (laughs) Jamison Crowder limited Thursday and Friday after sitting out Wednesday with the cap. He's questionable, but probably playing Curtis Samuel late add to the injury report with the Thursday hamstring. We're not sure about him. Those late, Weak hamstrings are always scary. DJ Moore, though, activated off reserve COVID list. Looks set to return. I don't know if I'm trusting him this week or not. Coming off of COVID, coming off the ankle injury, but we will see how that pans out. Devontae Parker and Shaquem Grant, they were both limited with hamstrings Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but both are expected to play for Tua and the Dolphins. Ravens wide receivers Marquise Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, and James Prochet were placed on the reserve COVID-19 list as close contacts. However, they are all expected to be active in time for Sunday if they continue to pass through the protocol. Keep an eye on that. We'll hear on Saturday or Sunday morning. Meanwhile, Des Bryant was activated off the reserve COVID list, so he will be active, and Willie Sneed will at the very least for the Ravens. Get Lamar some help at receiver, please. Anyways, Michael Thomas is going to be out this week with an ankle injury again. Drew Brees is back. His top weapon is out. What a shame. Alvin Kamara to the moon. Calvin Ridley, he's limited Wednesday with the foot. Being limited all year. Meanwhile, Julio's going to be out too. We're going to be without Julio and Michael Thomas and CMC for the fantasy football semifinals. What in the world? This is so sad. Julio Jones' decline is heartbreaking. Also going to be out without Kenny Galladay. He's out again with the hip. Interim head coach Daryl Bevel said that maybe they need to have a conversation about shutting Kenny down for the year. Finally, you're going to have that conversation, maybe. Ah, Lions. What? Not to get stuck on them again, sorry. Julian Edelman could return. He is practicing. Probably not, though, so not going to help us this week. Maybe return next week. Not trusting Julian Edelman. And John Brown's going to miss another week with the ankle as well. Round things out with tight ends, though. George Kittle, he gave us just the littlest bit of hope. I was so happy for a little bit. Practice Thursday was close to being activated off IR. Ultimately, 49ers decide against it. Kittle will miss the semis, and but there is hope he can return to the fantasy football championship if you make it there without Kittle. Also going to be without Devo Samuel. He's got the hamstring injury, so Brandon Ayuk is going to win you your week. Yeah, and I feel like somebody, if you had paid attention to the show at any point or gone on YouTube and checked out a waiver wire show that we put on, you might have been able to grab Brandon Ayuk because at one point he was – Hardly owned and was absolutely free. Don't understand. Yet he continues to be the alpha wide receiver on that team. Absolutely love this for him. And if only there was someone calling Brandon Ayuk an alpha for weeks and weeks. If only there was a show doing that. I would listen to that show. It'd probably help you out a lot. Anyways, I don't know. Noah Fant removed from the injury report after suffering from food poisoning, missing week 14 after just one play. Poor guy. I feel bad for him. He is going to be back, though. Mike Gusecki, he was originally feared he was going to have a multi-week injury. Missed Wednesday, and then he came back Thursday and Friday to be limited. Shocking, but looks like he's on track to play. He's had 17 targets from Tua over the last two weeks. Say that 10 times fast. Evan Ingram added to the injury report on Friday with a calf. We talked about that earlier. Puts his status in jeopardy for the weekend. Not good in New York. Austin Hooper limited with the neck injury after missing week 14. 
but Stefanski does expect him to play. David Njoku also missed Friday with a knee injury, but Stefanski also expects him to play, which means they nuke each other's value and Harrison Bryant's value as well. None of the tight ends matter. That sucks. Also sucks that Jimmy Graham was downgraded to limited with a hip injury on Thursday, carried through on Friday. So the grandpa's banged up, and you hate to see our elders be in so much pain. But this means Cole Komet is ready to break out. Yeah, and Komet over the past four weeks is tied for second target in targets on his team with 20. So I am all here for it. As you couldn't tell from last week when I guess I did this prematurely, but we can talk about this later in the show. Oh, yes, we can. Kyle Rudolph can't, couldn't land a practice this week. He's going to miss another game with a foot injury, so I'm going to say it again because I called it last week. Irv Smith remains spicy. 60 yards and a touchdown last week. That's what you want out of your tight end. Mo Cox didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday with the knee that's been nagging him all season. Returned Friday, is expected to play. Trey Burton, he's also banged up. None of these Colts tight ends matter because, like we were talking about earlier, they just all bite into each other, and it sucks, but... Can't trust them, can't play them, can't win with them. So the Jets claimed Chase McLaughlin off waivers. This were into kicker news. Sorry, I should have said that before. They waived Sergio Castillo, but they've also activated Sam Thicken off IR. So we'll see who the Jets play. The Cardinals will be without Zane Gonzalez with a back injury once again. So Mike Nugent filled in last week. He was stellar. I think he got you 14 points. That's what you want out of a fantasy kicker. We're also going to see Taylor Russellino make his start for the Broncos on Saturday. Brandon McManus is on the reserve COVID list. He was a close contact. And so he if this was a Sunday game, it's expected McManus would have played. However, with them playing on Saturday, they're turning to former XFL Battlehawk Taylor Russellino. So Jason, if we're hurting for kickers, where should we be turning to? Yeah, and I think this is pretty easy. It's Graham Gano. He is the kicker 10 on the year as he continues to be the most consistent offensive piece for the Giants. With no Bradbury and no Jones, I think this team will struggle to score and will need to put a point any way possible, which means Gano is going to kick it. Other than that, I like Ryan Supcup, who is the kicker six on the year. Wow, super impressive. He continues to do well in a great matchup. While I do think there could be some hiccups on the offensive side with Brady not being sure, and potentially Fournette trying to shake the rust off for the part of the game. Sucka will be able to do some damage when called upon. Well, he was briefly placed on the COVID reserve list as well as a close contact. So there's a good fair chance that someone saw that panic, dropped their kicker. Maybe you can still pick him up easily, or maybe people just aren't paying attention and haven't listened and haven't rostered Ryan Suckup. Anyways, now that we've taken care of your kicker, we're going to kick it to a word from our sponsor. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. 
obviously you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back with the most important segment of the night. We help you set your lineups. We turn things over to Jason, that FF nerd Draven. But before we do, before I hand over full control, just a reminder, with trust or bust, we're starting with quarterbacks. Our trust, our QBs currently ranked outside the top 12 of the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking, rostered in under 50% of leagues. Our busts, on the other hand, are QBs that are ranked inside the top 12 of the ECR that we believe will miss expectations and could cost you your semi-final matchup. And with that, it's time for Trust or Bust with the Nerd. Definitely fun to do this. So we'll start off easy one here with Breeze being named the starter. I think he's an easy start against the Chiefs defense because he's going to have to throw and put up points. And the Chiefs really aren't that great. They just are able to get up and allow to their defense to cause turnovers. Works out great. Oh, wow. Wow, Jason. You're getting bold saying start Drew Brees. Oh, I don't know if I can handle the spice. Yeah, yeah. You're just jealous because the expert consensus didn't put him in there quick enough. Ha ha. I got you. I win. Boom. So we'll move on to the next guy. A lot more difficult here is Jalen Hurts. In his first start, he was able to be the quarterback 13 against a solid Saints defense. He completed 17 of 30 passes for 167 yards and a TD. He did fumble, but he had 18 carries for 106 yards. This is a cheat code quarterback. Did well, and against a Cardinals defense that struggles against this type of QB, this could be a game that is very interesting. It could either be a shootout or be completely ugly. Not quite sure which one it's going to go. But both teams are likely to put up points, and Murray finally started to look good last week and potentially is back to himself. So really like him as an option this week. I'm just giving you a hard time about Drew Brees. 
it's important to acknowledge that he is starting and you got to start him. Alvin Kamara is going to go for like 200 yards with Thomas out. Saints are going to have to sling it to keep pace. But I also love Hurts. I think you're right. He's got the Konami code upside. Like how often do you get 10 fantasy points from your QB in just rushing yards? Ridiculous. Plus, he's just not a guy that turned the ball over in college. At most, he had eight interceptions in a season. He is super careful with his play. And I know he did fumbles, so that's maybe skewing your perception on it, you in the audience. But he's not Carson Wentz. He's going to play his way into being the Eagles starter again in 2021. Yeah, and the other option is not as pretty and not as shiny, but it's Mitchell Trubisky. Now, hear me out. Over the past three weeks, he is quarterback 11. He is averaging 19.65 fantasy points per game in that time period. He is averaging 258 passing yards and two touchdowns. Granted, this will be his toughest matchup as the Vikings only allow 19.6 fantasy points to the quarterback position. However, the easier matchups that Trubisky has had, he's actually done worse against them. So in a game that he will likely have to throw and put up points, and like I think this will be the case, Trubisky should have a good game. It's fine. Like I hate it completely, and I don't want to rely on Mitch Trubisky to get me to the ship. But like at the same time, it's a great matchup. And if I've got to decide between Kirk Cousins against the Bears defense or Mitchell Trubisky, I'm going with Trubisky every single time. So I, I, you're right. You just got to pinch your nose, and I'd recommend not watching that game if you are starting Trubisky. Save yourself the stress. Yeah, it's not the prettiest thing. Speaking of things that won't be pretty for the bust here with off. I think that is similar to the game. The defense dominates acres and maybe would get the targets that he deserves. He threw five times last he completed 16 of them for 70 yards and touchdown. And he also had an interception. He put up 14 points. Now is made for quarterback, but I think that McVay really doesn't want to throw. So he's going limbo and lean on the run. On Acres this week. Yeah, it's going to be the Cam Acres show. Over the past two weeks, only Dalvin Cook has more carries among running backs than Cam Akers, and only Derrick Henry has more rushing yards than Cam Akers. The Jets can't stop Cam Akers. There's no chance of that whatsoever. So I do think that means we're only going to see like 160 passing yards from discount Ryan Gosling, Jared Goff. No one, I'm kind of, I think it's on Brady. Matchup looks juicy, but since Ryan does Leo, Ryan struggles. This looks to lean on the run game. Last weekend, a great matchup against the Vikings. Brady threw 23 times, 15 completions for 196 yards and two touchdowns. I am very nervous about this happening again. Last week, he was a quarterback 20. This year, he has had six games under 16 fantasy points and eight games over. So it's just, I, I, I can't trust him. Tough to trust the GOAT, and you hate to see that, but we're going to move on into running back. And as we move forward, just a reminder that our trusted RB are those who are ranked outside the top 24, so that would be an RB3 or lower that we are trusting for our lineups in Week 15. And our busts are players that are ranked inside the top 24 that we think are going to miss expectations and could hurt you in the semifinal matchup. Yeah, and my trust is pretty easy because I've been high on this guy all year. Really loved him since he's come off of the reserve. It's Damon Harris. 
Since his bye, he is RB23. He's averaging nine fantasy points per game. The Dolphins give up 16.7 fantasy points to the running back position over the past four weeks. I think the mobile QB helps open more running lanes for him in a game that I feel like will be close and relatively low scoring. This game is a grind with Bill likely dominating Tua and the Dolphins, who, like told you before, put up 11 points in their first meeting with Ryan Fitzpatrick. In this game, the Patriots ran Michelle 10 times for 37 yards and TD. I think that Damian Harris is significantly better than Sony Michelle, and I can see him easily being around 60 yards and a touchdown. Also, fun point, he has 16 touches in the red zone over the past four weeks. The only player that's close to that is Cam Newton at 15 on that same team. Pretty impressive. Jason Draven, big Damian Harris guy, and I cannot stress enough how much better he has been than Sony Michelle ever was in his entire career. So who else do you got for trust? Yeah, I think you'll like this one because it's one of your running backs. It's Gus Edwards. Over the past two weeks, he is RB15, averaging 14.2 fantasy points. He's doing that on so few carries. It's disgusting. The past two weeks, he has gotten seven carries each week, 14 in total, for 150 yards and two touchdowns. This means he's averaging 10.7 yards per carry. He is clearly the best back in the backfield, and while Dalvin's has continued to outtouch him, he has yet to outproduce him. I am riding this hot hand in a good matchup. Okay, well, calm down. Gus Edwards is not clearly the best back in the backfield. It would be Dobbins, and that's why Dobbins is averaging more yards per carry and has way more receptions. However, you are correct. Edwards is one of the better salted-away backs in the league. When you're up, just run him, grind the defense down with his hard-nosed running style. Give him the ball when you're up. Let him run through people. But Dobbins is the better back getting the touches when it matters most. So I uh, just wanted to clarify that. However, start both of these horses. Let's go Ravens and let's hear your bus. Yeah. And this is probably going to be really unpopular. So we'll start with Chris Carson. Redskins are a tough front, only allowing 15.2 fantasy points per game to the running back position over the past four weeks. Carson will likely split with Carlos Hyde again. And with Rashad Penny coming back, he could potentially take away some of the pass catching work, which makes me so nervous for Carson. And I'm, it's just, he makes me uncomfortable. He's RB 18 on the year and averaging 17.5 fantasy points. This should be a game that is low scoring and that the Seahawks dominate. So I could really see them protecting Carson and allow them to use the other backs to keep him healthy. The other one is Ezekiel Elliott. Since Dak was placed on IR in week six, Elliott has been Running back 25, he's averaging 9.9 fantasy points. Over the past three weeks, he is RB31. While his matchup is nice, the 49ers give up 22.7 fantasy points to the running back position over the past four games. The Cowboys also have been easing in Tony Pollard, and this past week, he actually split with Zeke. I think this matchup isn't great, and he continues to struggle. No. The important nonsense podcast we here are big fans of the term start your studs the question is are we still sure that ezekiel elliott is a stud i am not certain with dak prescott out 
So that's going to bring us to receivers. Just a quick reminder that our trust at wide receiver are players that rank outside the top 36. Though that, so that is a wide receiver four or lower in the ECR that we think is startable this week. And our busts are receivers that are ranked inside the top 36 that we do expect to miss expectations. Yeah, and because I said start Drew Brees, I mean also to start Emmanuel Sanders. With Michael Thomas being named out, I think that Sanders asserts himself as a safety blanket for Brees. He is the second most targeted on the team behind only Kamara with 59 targets. Before he got injured, he had his best game with Brees, grabbing 12 receptions for 122 yards. While Smith may end up with a long bomb, I feel that Sanders and Cook will make their hay in the passing game this week. It is nice that the Chiefs give up 34.4 fantasy points per game over the past four weeks to the wide receiver position. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Because Michael Thomas is out, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that ball out for the Saints. And just one of them is going to be Emmanuel Sanders. But just another reminder, Alvin Kamara is going to go nuclear. Over 200 yards is a lock from Kamara. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. And Patrick Mahomes is just going to be sitting there on the other side and just kind of like, why can't you do that, Clyde? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a bad draft pick. I don't know if that's the case. I just don't need a running back. That's why Clyde has been so frustrating. But the next player is probably not as good, but it's fine. Richard Higgins, since OBJ went down, Higgins has really stepped up as a number two wide receiver on the Browns. Sorry, that's a bad joke. He is a wide receiver, 48, averaging 10.4 fantasy points on the year. He's tied for second on the team in targets with Hooper, but has almost 180 yards more. Hagen's big body makes him an ideal tar- TD target as he continues. He is the second most TDs behind only Kareem Hunt in the passing game. Over the past three weeks, he is wide receiver 21, putting up 14.3 fantasy points. While Landry is still the guy, Higgins has become a dominant threat on the other side of the field. In the past two games, he has seen 19 targets, caught 12 of them for 163 yards and two touchdowns. While I think that this is a run game because Hunt and Chubb are just monsters, I think he is more than likely going to see a target in the red zone. And I just, he's been impressive. The Giants over the past four weeks have been really good, allowing 24.4 fantasy points to the wide receiver position. However, with Bradbury out, I don't think this trend can continue. Yeah, it's wild to say, but the real Hollywood this year isn't Hollywood Brown. It's been all about Hollywood Higgins in 2020, ever since we lost Odell Beckham. So love that. Jason, you've been nailing this lately. Are you going Hollywood on us? Who do you have for bust? I'm glad. I just keep working on it. We'll see what we can do. For bust, it's pretty easy for me this week. It's Chase Claypool. His snap count Seems to be going down as he loses more and more to Washington and Ebron. Even worse. Don't like either of them. Juju remains a constant in the short area game. And since the team has a need to launch it downfield, Claypool hasn't been needed. I mean, they're not running the ball. And his hyper-efficiency that happened at the beginning year has regressed to the mean. And Deontay continues to be fed targets. In a good matchup, and Juju remaining the most reliable receiver on the team, Claypool likely won't get used enough to make him a startable fancy piece this week. Also, the Bengals give out 26.3 fancy points to wide receiver. Blowing my mind, this is the third worst matchup over the past four weeks for wide receivers. 
So my only hope here is that the Steelers will finally realize that Deontay's drops are a problem. They are severely costing him. That's why he got benched for James Washington. I hope that that continues to be the case. They go more to Chase Claypool. However, Randy Fickner has never made an adjustment in his life. He doesn't change the offense ever, so I doubt it. But please just get Claypool a real QB with a real arm next year because Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have it anymore. Get him Stafford, get him Jameis, free Chase Claypool. Yeah, the next one's even easier for me, and it's Corey Davis. In games where the Titans are leading, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown are the only fantasy options. This week, I believe going up against Chase Daniels, there will not be enough targets to support Corey Davis. A.J. Brown will dominate the targets, and Henry will demolish the Lions. With that in mind, I cannot put Davis as a starter, even though on the year he is wide receiver 29 in 11 games. Pretty amazing. Over the past three weeks, he is wide receiver 13. Completely great. But that is likely due to the fact that they had an intense back-and-forth game against the Browns where he had 11 receptions for 182 yards and touchdown. While this could happen, I am highly doubting it. I'm not willing to put my money on Corey Davis this week in the semifinal. Well, so Derrick Henry, he only needs to average 190.3 rushing yards a game to set the NFL rushing record. And I know that sounds like a lot, but it really isn't with Derrick Henry, especially when you got Detroit Lions on the on on the docket. And then he he just needs 156 yards to hit 2,000 rushing yards. So you know Mike Vrabel is going to feed him. They're going to go after that record. And it's going to start with 30 carries for 235 yards against the Lions, which means there's just no room for Davis. And I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. So that's going to bring us to tight ends where our trusts are players outside the top 12 rostered in under 50% of leagues that we do like this week. And our busts are players inside the top 12 on Fantasy Pros ECR that we believe will miss expectations. Yeah, and we talked about it earlier to foreshadow this. Cole Komet is a trust for me going up against the Vikings, allow 11.5 fantasy points to the tight end position over the past four weeks. I think that Komet continues to look great and gets the targets. The frustration is that Jimmy Grandpa continues to steal the end zone looks. It's so frustrating. He took one away last week. Even with that, over the past three weeks, Cole Komet is tight end 14. Gotta love him this week. And Komet is now out-snapped Graham in four straight games. And despite the touchdown that Graham had, he's just looked better. Cole Komet is a better player. He's more athletic. And now Graham's hurt with the hip injury. You have to love it from the ascending rookie. And I like... I do low-key hope he doesn't break out too hard because I think Cole Komet is probably going to be a screaming value in 2021 redraft. Absolutely. Love the talent. Great kid. So move on to the next person who is not a young buck by any means. Jared Cook with Michael Thomas out and Drew Brees back against the Chiefs who are 24.9 fantasy points to the tight position. Yeah, you heard that right. 24.9. Waller, but still, Cook really hurt his team, helping his team distribute targets easily on the field. Cook is actually someone you want to hold on to because the rest of the year, his schedule looks so awesome with the next few games. Just great matchups for him moving forward. Like we said, start your Saints. Someone has to make up for the 20 targets Michael Thomas was supposed to get. So take us home with the tight end bus. Yeah, he's here again. It's Rob Gronkowski. Last week, he put up 7.2 fantasy points. This week, he's up against a tougher defense. 
against the tight end in the Falcons, who allowed 1.2 fantasy points to the tight end in a game that I believe could end up being high focused on Godwin Evans and really leaned on the defense. But I struggle to trust to put up any points in your semifinal match. On those 7.2 points last week, all came on one play. It was a two-yard touchdown. So when you take that away, that's not too good. So you either need a Gronk score and a Gronk spike, or else Gronk's sad because Gronk doesn't get the volume he used to. Yeah, and another one that's really frustrating is Noah Fant. Completely disappeared last week after getting sick. I'm not able to put my trust in him. Over the past three weeks, he's tied in 38. He has put up six fantasy points per game. Ugh. While the Broncos will likely be throwing, I think that Patrick, Judy, and Hamler have really stepped up and done well enough. And while the RBs have diminished his value, they're both banged up, as well as the back end, backup tight ends really showing what they can do and deserving more playing time. This year may well be done for Fan. Buffalo is the middle of the pack against defending the tight end position and allowed 12.1 fantasy points to the tight end position over the past four weeks. Just get Noah Fanta QB. And the Denver Broncos war won't. They're going to run it back with Lockett. It's kind of starting to feel like. And they shouldn't, but they will. And it's such a shame because Noah Fant might be the freakiest athlete at tight end that there is. So that's a shame. But that's also going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. We've done it, my friend. We've made it to the semis. Do you have any final thoughts before we put our seasons on the line in Week 15? Yeah, I'm just excited to have football for the next three days. Uh, all professional starting tomorrow afternoon and moving into Sunday and into Monday. So having this one break in between the games is great. Also, I'm really enjoying college basketball, but more importantly, let's get you guys into the championship. Let's move forward. Here we go. Woo! Let's go. Be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd for all your start, sit, and waiver wire needs. And be sure to follow along with the fantabulous work that all the important nonsensers are putting up on the daily over on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff. Thank you all for joining me. I've been your host, as always, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And it continues to be such an honor getting to preview the weekend lineup for you. We'll be back on Sunday for the Week 15 Fantasy Football Semi-Final Recap Show, along with my co-host at The Real NWB, me, Wallace Bruce, and at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chancey. So until then, wear a mask, stay safe, good luck with all your matchups, and be kind to yourself. But most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!